0: Hi, this is Adam Williams, creator and host of the Humanity Podcast. Today I'm talking with Isabelle Gillot, a French illustrator and designer who last year moved with her husband, Will Hunt, a writer from Brooklyn, New York, to a new adventure on the rocky coast of Maine. The move is a notable shift for Isabelle, from a world-traveling, semi-nomadic flow of life to one in which she and Will have bought a historic house and are in the midst of a full-on renovation project not to mention finally getting to grow a vegetable garden. Isabel indulges my TV-based home renovation curiosities about this new phase of life that they have dived into, including for Isabel that shift from cultural centers of life in Paris, London, Berlin, New York, and other places to the relatively slow and quiet pace of small-town Maine. Going deeper, we also talk about being thirsty for life experience and how curiosity sometimes can feel like a gift and sometimes like a burden we explore the meaning of home and what it means to belong it turns out that in french there is no word for belonging but that doesn't stop us from trying to figure it out from digging into the nuances of language and culture we talk about shadow careers and we feel out what really matters in our lives and i really get to appreciate how isabel finds happiness in her life we share in our common connection with nature and just maybe why it is that the ocean called to main. Given her broad, roving experiences, including opening her own online shop, Isotopia, for what Isabel playfully calls fun, illustrative products made by French hands in the USA, I ask her for advice we all can take heart in when following our dreams. So, here we go, my conversation with Isabelle Gillot. Hi, Isabel. Welcome to Humanitude. Hi, Adam. How are you doing?
1: I'm good. Thank you. How are you?
0: I'm great. I'm great. And I'm glad we get a chance to talk now. I have a lot of things I want to ask you about, and I'm going to jump right in doing that with what to me seems like a pretty big adventure that you're on right now with this huge house renovation. And in the last, well, less than a year, having moved to where you are on coastal Maine. And I just want to. I want to hear about that. I think there's so much there. <laughs> you might get tired of talking about it by the time we're done. But how long had you been living in New York City before you made this move?
1: So yes, it's interesting that you start with that. Um, I lived with my husband in New York for only a year um, before we moved to Maine. So
0: okay,
1: yeah, I had I had kind of moved out of Europe two years so I spent two years out of Europe in in the US and around because first we were traveling and then we settled in Brooklyn in New York for a year and yeah and then um, moved to Maine first we spent a little bit of time in Vermont um, just when the pandemic hit and, um, and then just decided that We didn't really want to go back to New York, uh, which was actually already in our heads. Um, I had already shifted a little bit in my career, and I think we both wanted different lives outside of big cities. So it wasn't really necessarily connected only to pandemic. It just accelerated, which I think has been the case for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, I definitely understand that. Uh, My family, my wife and I and our two young sons, we recently made a move a few months ago further into the mountains. We live in Colorado. And yeah, it's one of those things that we're happy to do, but also there's something about the pandemic experience and having already been about a year into that when we made the move that helped kind of precipitate and motivate that that kind of change in life. And I do think that a lot of changes are happening for a lot of people like that.
1: Yes, I agree. And I think suddenly a lot of things that you didn't think were possible become possible of the way you yeah. work, the way you live realizing that maybe being at home is not so bad and can I mean can be good if you make it the way you want it to be yeah so I think it's 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 really going towards that direction
0: you started to kind of set the stage I want to add to this that before these moves it it wasn't just that you had been in New York and you know this huge city this um, cultural center center for art for business for fashion for food for all kinds of huge, amazing, busy things. And then you go to small town coastal Maine. But you had been living for years what you've described as kind of a a somewhat nomadic, you know, sort of adventuring existence, I think. And you for so people understand some more context here, that you are French. You grew up in France, lived in Paris at times, in London, in Berlin, in Norway. You know, that's again, huge cities with cultural, food, art, business differences than where you are in small town Maine. So I'm wondering if there's more to what drew you out of all of that past history to live where you are and then how that transition has has been going for you.
1: Yeah, so I think it's interesting. Um, the city life versus um, different in smaller town or even countryside life I guess I always thought I was a city person and I was told a lot that I was a city person. Um, I grew up uh, in the suburb of Paris and then I studied in London and then Berlin. And it, I think I was just drawn to city. And, and I love cities. I, I really, oh, I do. I love architecture and museums and the buzz of the city. And But already when I was, Berlin made me discover a little bit of a different type of city because it's very big, green you can go from the city, you take a tram and you're at a lake. Like I already discovered another version of a city, which I didn't really know in London and and Paris, just more aired out and and just just more space and green, lots of green. So I think I was already realizing, oh, that's, that's really nice. And then I studied in Norway and that was already, well, first of all, Norway has much less people in general in the country. And it was a smaller town but it's, it's small for other uh, um, country like Germany or, or England. And it was on the coast too. It was in the fjord. And suddenly I was in a complete different... I was in the mountains. Like I could walk out of my house and just go for a hike. And that was a huge change for me. And I started to work with nature, to connect my work to the natural environment. And I, I think that really something shifted in me uh, then. And after that, I went back to Paris... A little bit because I didn't know where else to go. I thought, well, now maybe it's time to go back home in a way. But I always had this weird feeling that I didn't really know where I belonged. Um, And I spent, um, I think, four or five years in Paris. And it was great. I mean, it's an amazing city. And I I really... I was cycling everywhere, and I was very busy, and I always had things to do, and and it was great, but I was always thinking, okay, what's going to be next? Like, I just, I think I I knew I wanted new adventure, and I was, I dreamt of living in Rome, and I just still wanted something different. Um, Yeah, and then I just, life happened, and I met William, and um, we decided to go to the US, and we, we really didn't know where to live either. I always had this kind of, Situation where I'm like, okay, where should I go? And I don't know how to make that decision. Sometimes I even went for no reason, which I didn't want to do anymore because it's really hard to arrive in a country and you don't know the language and suddenly really you're not sure why you're here. So I knew that if I made a movie, it would be for either a job or for like a, a, a reason so that I'm anchored for at least one reason. And I did find an opportunity in New York. So we spent a year in New York and I think. We both realized Will had lived in New York for a really long time and even before meeting me was already thinking he wanted out in a way. <laughs> so I think we were both a little bit excited at the same time knowing that this wasn't gonna be a long-term thing. I think Maine just made sense because I always wanted to live a dream was to live by the ocean. So we started there. We thought, okay, so if it's gonna be by the ocean, where could it be? And I think we just, it was just a journey when looking for another place. First, we looked outside of New York and it was just even too expensive and kind of, I was thinking if we're going to not be in New York, I'd rather be really somewhere different. And then Will told me about Maine and how special it is and how there's an artistic community. I mean, there's artistic community everywhere, I guess. But the ocean and I don't know, it's a little bit for me, it's the Brittany of, of the US, I mean, the equivalent of the Brittany in France, which is one of my favorite regions. It's, it's very kind of Romanesque and it has like low tide, high tide, rocks, and yeah. And then you just start looking for houses to rent, and there isn't that many. And we just had a crush on this house, and we said, okay, let's go see it. So it was very weird during pandemic time. We drove nine hours in a day to go back and forth because we couldn't even sleep. And we just walked around the city and we really loved that little fisherman house. And I thought, okay, maybe let's try this for a year and we we'll see how it goes. And then I, we kind of fell in love with Maine, I have to say, which I don't think is difficult because it's really, it is really special.
0: It's beautiful. I love the rocky beach, rocky cliff kind of coastline. And you said try it for a year, but you you bought the house, right? Oh,
1: sorry. So first we rented a house um that we live in now Uh, it was it was a one-year lease so we thought well you know we have to be somewhere (laughs) Um, and we subletted our flat in new york um and came here and just just moved everything from new york and but we knew it was probably only going to be for a year we we kind of knew we weren't going to be able to renew the lease so then it was about do we want to stay in maine or not and we just started to look at buying a house And again, had a crash. I never thought this would happen so fast. Like we only saw like a couple of houses and then that house was where we wanted, how we wanted. So it was kind of just, it just happened. We're like, okay, well, we're doing this. Um, Yes. So we bought the house, but we're not living there yet. We're doing renovations.
0: Well, in the renovations, that's really where I want to kind of dig into some stuff here with these (laughs) questions because, well, I see that i mean and and by the photos that people can go look at on your instagram page and what you're sharing of that process you're doing a huge full-on renovation project here and i see literal and metaphorical layers to this work right on the literal side you're peeling off history in wallpaper you know layers over the years and all these things, whatever else you're uncovering. And then on the more metaphorical level, you've talked about this sort of nomadism, this all these possibilities, which I totally understand, right? There's the whole world out there. How do you choose where is it that you go? And and what are the reasons that really anchor that decision? And how long might you stay? Where do you feel like you belong? And so through this process with your husband, Will, uh, now you're also kind of establishing roots of some kind when really you've been moving around, but now you are buying this house and renovating it. And there's just a lot here, I think, to unpack. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, first, I mean, with this house, how old is this house and and what is the length of time you're looking at for this huge renovation project?
1: So the house, um, th- there's only two different parts of the house. It's like the main original house, which is probably... Uh, we think we thought from the 1870s, but maybe even older than that. It's it's kind of hard to tell. And then there's been an addition to house, which is much more modern. Okay. Um, so I think so. We took on the project. Um, we, we we loved the house. There's really something to that house that uh, we just fell in love with. And the fact that it was in a city, Belfast. That we I had a crush on Belfast the first time I went there. We were looking into different little town but, but i really love belfast and one of the things we wanted was a house where we can walk to the town to the center of the town we didn't want because here you have a lot of houses that are amazing with land and it's beautiful but you have to take your car every time so maybe i'm still a little bit of a <laughs> city person i like to be able to cycle <laughs> or walk um i don't want to use my car every single time i go out of the house that's just that's just me. Right. so so that was a, actually a big Uh, restrained it it really sort of guided what we could and couldn't choose and that house kind of had everything and we also wanted a garden even though we wanted we had our (laughs) um so we were a little bit we were aware that there was a lot of work and we had immediately a builder come and go through the house with us to see everything that would have to be done and i think everybody was very optimistic oh yeah of course like two months of work (laughs) and um and then suddenly you dig in and um we wanted a project that we could renovate. First of all, because that's that's what I, I used to do and still do. I'm an interior designer um, um, and I've worked a lot on, on renovation uh, projects. Um, so I really, I was so excited about designing our own house and I, I wanted something that we could really make ours. So kitchen, bathroom, everything is redone. Um, but the bones of the house um, had to be good enough. So we only the big, what seems like the big, big work is that some of the foundation had to be rebuilt. And it's true that the day we arrived and the house was half open and I could see William on the other side of the house throughout the basement. We started to think, oh, wow, that is serious. And the builders were, oh, no, it's no problem. We'll just, we'll we'll patch it up. And I was like, yeah, I'm sure you will. But so that was a little scary. But in the end, um, the project, so we got the keys in February and we're gonna move in, uh beginning of july the first of july so yeah i guess it's a what's that five months six months um work okay. um we did some of it ourselves especially the demolition because that doesn't require too much uh, actual professional skills we could just sort of right. <laughs> get along right. with it and we'll be doing some of the finishes um the painting and we're doing a little bit of plaster work and um Yeah, and I've been drawing and designing everything and it's it's super exciting. Um, So yeah, so I think there is, regarding the more metaphorical, uh, it is really interesting also because when I arrived in the US, um, we had a little bit of immigration things to sort out, which meant that for a year I couldn't get out of the country, so I couldn't travel yet. Um, I could, I started my own company so I could work as a freelance, which I'm very thankful that the U.S. allows you to do that because otherwise I couldn't work either. So that would have started to be really complicated. But so we had this kind of life where I was thinking, okay, so in a year we can travel so we can start thinking about what we do. But then even when I could travel, I am still, I still have to live in the U.S. because of immigration. I can't, we can't just go live to Europe tomorrow you have there's rules and I'm not going to get into it. It's really <laughs> kind of boring. But sure, so okay. our, our life was a little bit ruled by by that. And then the pandemic. So when I could travel, <laughs> we went once back to Europe and then we couldn't travel again. And I said, okay, I can't let myself, ourselves, Will and I project our life depending on those rules because you need to have actual plans and you need to still be able to have projects. And And I think that's when I started to think, okay, We're here now and we have to make this work for us. We have to just accept that, you know, I can't see, I haven't seen my family for a while. And sometimes it's really hard, but also you can't just be like, well, because we don't know what's going to happen. We don't do anything. Um, So I think there is something about the pandemic that has sort of forced me to accept and be here. Make the most out of it, and not always think. So next month we could do this, and we could go. Because Will is like that too. We would just be traveling. We would want to do a project together and go to Utah, and we always really thinking about going to Japan, and you know. <laughs> so I think it also made us realize, okay, what do we want to do here? We want to have a vegetable garden. We want to have chicken. We want to have bees. Well, that's great. Let's do that <laughs> um, for now. And and it was interesting to call my family and be like, okay, so actually we're buying a house. So we're actually going to be here longer than maybe we thought. But yeah, I think it's really about being here now. I still see it as a like four or five year project. And maybe then we want to go back to Europe. Like I still need to have this kind of open door. Okay. But for me, that's projecting myself much like way further than I usually do. I'm usually like a six months kind of you know i can plan up till 6 months but don't ask me where i'll be in 6 months <laughs> so i feel that i'm uh, i'm growing a little bit there
0: <laughs> okay so now i'm curious because i do understand these these feelings uh, at least on some level and these ideas so you're saying four or five years okay do you see at that point like well let's let's put it this way is thinking about it that way That you really feel like, okay, we're only going to have this house for four or five years. Then I'm going to be ready to sell it because I absolutely know that I want to move on. Or is that sort of more of an emotional and psychological thing for you that you might feel trapped or suffocated, even by your own choices, if you're committing to something just indefinitely?
1: Yes. Yes, I think I'm just not... I don't want to say I'm not good with commitments because <laughs> I got married and we bought a house and it doesn't look that way. Yep. But I've, I have been very independent and 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 preaching independence for a really long time. And so a lot of things are new to me. And I realized also how great it is to have commitment and to feel that this is a decision you make and you stick to it. And But I do think that I have a problem with thinking this is going to be like this until forever. Like I need to use my imagination for future projects. So I love to think about, you know, yes, maybe we love this house and really it's like it becomes our haven. So maybe we keep that house and maybe we rent it for a while, but we keep it for a, Mm. it's our house forever. But then maybe we do want to spend five years in France or in Greece or in Italy or I don't know um, after that. I wouldn't be surprised if we really, if if this house in Maine became some parts of our roots because it's our first house, Will and I, and it's the first time we're doing this kind of renovation project. So it's really, I think it's a really big thing for both of us. So it might stay with us forever, but I don't want to think that that means we have to live there and only there forever. I think I, I really need a, a sort of a wider perspective.
0: I completely understand that. And it's interesting how this jives with some of the conversations for my wife and I over the years. She and I are actually about to mark our 18th year uh, together, and we have brought wow. some different personality things into this where that adventuring side is is much more natural and, and things for her. And I've had to, over the years, learn how to loosen up a bit more and more to not necessarily have um, to where I don't have to have things pin down to where I don't have to always know, you know, if she says, this is what I want to do in six months that I've had to learn how to loosen up and be like, okay, or it might be something different in six months or, you know, so that free, <laughs> that free flow for me has been a, a growth, uh, you know, practice for many years. I do get it. And it is funny when we're married and when we have something like the purchase of property, like a house, uh, <laughs> to use the word commitment and be mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm not so sure about that kind of a funny idea but i but i do get it and so what i'm curious about again with the renovation part i don't know if you watch the home renovation tv shows that are so popular there are so many of them out there okay well it sure seems to me by the the prevalence of so many of these house buying and house renovating tv shows that an awful lot of people probably many many millions of americans are interested in this idea we personally have not done a renovation project like that, but to talk about the popularity, my eight-year-old son is into them. He wants to watch the shows with us. In fact, he drives us at this point <laughs> to watch them because I think we're kind of watched out, but the point is it's, it's a really fascinating idea to know that somebody else is doing it, going through those ups and downs and hassles and expenses and all of that all that long-windedness to bring me to this. I'm curious about two things. What in the process has been particularly joyful and dreamy, like you might have hoped? And then on the flip side, have you run into anything that has just really tested your patience? Maybe for you personally, maybe in the dynamics between you and Will going through this big project together?
1: <laughs> um, yeah, so like I said, I think I have a notion of what it is to um, have a construction site. And I've been, I've been coordinating some and I've been following work from like plans to like uh, the final space. And so, you know, I thought, well, I'm, I'm prepared. Uh, first of all, it's very different when it's your space. <laughs> it's your home. You're attached. You have. It's. It. It makes things very different. But I did know how to find my way through and and meet the team of builders and work with them, and so that's been really helpful even for me because I know exactly what's going on when it's going on. Um, you know, I know the electric the electrician, the plumber. I speak to the entire team, the carpenters. So I. I don't have the fear of how is this going to be and how is this going to look? No, I drew that and we're going to make it look (laughs) like that. (laughs) Right. So I think it must be really hard for people who are in the dark, you know, who don't really know what's happening. So for me, that has been really wonderful. And, and again, I mean, I already mentioned that, but designing a space for myself and not for someone else, um, I guess was a little bit of a, of a dream. Um, and, and thinking about it with Will and and just making it ours because we're basically getting rid of of everything that existed. We, we're just keeping the the walls and so that that's amazing. Now we've had setbacks and I'm ready for m- much more to come. Yeah, I mean there's always things and and you know it, everything has to be done in its own time. Until now, I feel we've been you know, there's delays and that's, you have to accept that's part, really, really part of the game. The weather is bad. So we can, not you know, close up the foundation. There's lots of things happens along the way. Um, I was really happy because we, I thought we we're going to have to wait till next year to start in the garden. And we actually, because we had the excavator for the foundation, we actually managed to clear out the garden. So that was amazing news. And I was so happy to think I could start growing things much sooner. So good things happen, and then sometimes for two weeks, nothing's happening, and you're like, oh, my God, this is why nothing is happening. And so, yeah, I think you just have to be flexible and ready that some things are going to change, this wall is going to be wider, so my counter doesn't have the same size anymore. So, like, yeah, you have to adapt and and not possibly not freak out.
0: (laughs) This is part of the new adventure that I started off our conversation talking about, right, is that to me, this is... It's a different kind of adventure than when you're traveling in the world. It's an adventure that is all in this one place. And like you said, you are much more attached to it. It's very much more personal when it is your house. You're not just watching it on TV and you're not just doing it for a client. Uh, that that vegetable garden, you, I think that is something that you had wanted for quite some time, right? But with all this other moving and not with having your own space in this way, weren't really able to do before. Is that Right.
1: Yeah. So it's interesting. In Brooklyn, we had the maximum amount of plants you can have in the smallest space. We started to just every week have new plants and plant little baby plants. We were obsessed and we realized, okay, I think we need a garden. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then when we arrived here, it was already July in this house we're renting. Uh, but we thought, you know what? Never mind. We still, we hadn't even unpacked that. We started to build a raised bed, a small one, and we just, Planted seeds and I was like, "It's never gonna work. It's too late in the year." But it doesn't matter. We I have to do it, and it actually worked. We had a few vegetables. I was just so proud and so happy. Mm -hmm. So we had a let's say a a semi uh, vegetable garden. But now we really, we really have plans, and I hope we can again. We're gonna start a little bit late in the season, but I think we're gonna try to start this summer. So that's exciting.
0: I think it's ideas like that. Those those things that you can spend a lot of years. I'm thinking about in my own story that maybe in my twenties, there were certain things that were important. And part of that was getting out and experiencing things in the world. And it wasn't necessarily to have my own space and to literally cultivate and grow something, you know, like in soil, like a garden. But then over time, our, our ideas and dreams kind of shift. And you could say that's a little dream to have a garden, to have enough space, but it kind of fuels like it's a big dream.
1: Yes. And, and yeah, first of all, it's amazing to have the opportunity to actually do it. Um, and I agree. I I think there is something about, um, I guess if I, if I look back, I was always wanting to grow experience. I wanted to see everything. I wanted to know better, to learn. I mean, I still want to learn a lot, but I mean, I was really more trying to collect all these memories and these friends and different culture I I was always fascinated by like traveling and the differences and learning from it and I'm sure I I like to think that I was nomadic in a way but I mean far from it because I'm still I still kind of um made a home everywhere I went and I think I mean I, I did travel for six months really with a backpack in Asia and that was really amazing and I learned so much um, but otherwise I mean I lived in Berlin I had always a room I had but I was also moving constantly with my bags and I was always like uh, just making a home but it could be anywhere but I feel that yeah it was really more about collecting things that I could always keep with me and go anywhere with and now and I guess that's what growing old <laughs> is even though I don't feel old but I mean You reach different stages, I think, in your life. And now I feel that just being outdoors in the garden, hands in the soil is just such an amazing feeling. And I'm starting to understand why my mom spent so much time on her knees and, and, you know, planting and doing flowers when you're a kid. It's just like, "Mm, yeah, whatever. Um, Right, yeah. Yeah, so I think it's really phases of life. And now just, I remember with Will waking up and just running to the vegetable garden, staring at the tiny plant to see if anything had grown. And it just made us (laughs) so happy. So yeah, I think it's just, I mean, I still love traveling and I would never stop doing that. But I think you do want different things a little bit um, and appreciate different things too.
0: That has been fascinating to me too, I guess, move through some of those stages of life, right? Like you mentioned it when we're kids and we see some of those things that maybe our parents are doing and we're like, well, that's kind of boring. But then you get older (laughs) and you're like, wow, that's really amazing. And, you know, for me, it just to have quietness, I'm sure is, is something that matters more to me now than it used to, to have a dedicated space where I can do something like this, this podcast, or to create, make art, those sorts of things. And when we're moving and we're roving around and we don't really have the physical space and we can't do all of those things like have a garden. And so I it's it's kind of amusing to me to notice these things in these stages and the way that our perspectives change. But I want to ask you about something you said there with collecting memories and those cultural experiences. And I that definitely rings very true to me and the reasons that I wanted to go out and travel and to, to learn and experience things firsthand, to feel like I'm taking in knowledge firsthand, not just reading about it in a book or watching something in a, a documentary. And I'm wondering what, if you know what the, what the seed was and how that was put into you to want to travel and was that something that came from your family? Was that something that came from being European where there's already so many cultures, at least nearby, compared to what it's like for me growing up as a kid in the middle of the US?
1: Yeah, that's that's a very good, very good point. Um, so I'm not sure where it started. Uh one thing that happened is that my parents moved to the south of France, so we were around Paris. Um, and I was 16 and I think I stayed um in Paris with my brothers. I was I was going to boarding school which is very different from uh American boarding school. But you sleep at school during the school days and then the weekend you're at home. So it's it's kind of different but it was in the countryside. So I wasn't I didn't feel Parisian at all. That's my point. But still I didn't want to at 16 I just I didn't want to follow my parents, you know, how you are when you're a teenager. So at that stage I was a, a little bit of a free agent um and I think I started to think okay so where do I go you know because I don't live with my parents anymore and I can study anywhere I want and I already wanted to go to London I don't know it just it just happened and I got this school that I thought was amazing this art school and I just went there and from then I think it just it just unfolds like you meet a spanish friend you meet a greek friend you meet an italian friend so you want to go and and it just keeps growing like that And I I thought London was my home for four years. I I loved it. I went everywhere. It's huge. At first, it was really, (laughs) it was kind of intimidating. And because Paris is really small. People don't always realize uh, London is almost 10 times Paris. So I was a bit lost at first. But I embraced it and I loved it. And, you know. Uh, Yeah, I was just kept being thirsty for more. And that's when then I decided, oh, I'm going to do residency in Berlin. I went two months to Berlin, then I didn't want to come back. So I stayed in Berlin. I don't have a job. I didn't speak German. I was just like, why am I doing this again? (laughs) I'm not sure. (laughs) Um, So I think it's something that you taste and then it's hard to just leave and be content to just be where you are. Like you just think about the next adventure. Um, And also... That might be interesting, so after at the end of my bachelor in London, I went to Asia for six months, and my mom did that probably twenty years prior, and she spoke to us a lot about her big and during her time, it was even more okay. you know going around for six months was a big thing, like her parents were worried like hell we don't, didn't have internet, nothing, so she was really going. A little wild. I think she might have gone even for a year, and she kept telling us about this big journey. And I think it probably made its way through uh, my curiosity too. And I and I did a little bit the same thing. So you know, we, I, I guess we reproduce some of those pattern. It's interesting.
0: I like that, and I am hopeful about that with my sons. My my wife and I both had traveled a good amount, had different um, international experiences before we even got together and then we have together and then before the pandemic, we were able to, uh, of course we didn't know that was coming. And now we're so grateful that we were able to take a couple of trips with our boys and start getting them into other Mm -hmm. countries and to experience other cultures and to do these things. And it's always been my hope and probably our hope that when they hear these stories and they see photos and they understand that at least for us, it's just a natural, normal part of, of, of our lives to care mm-hmm. about other cultures and have that curiosity and go out there so that I hope that when they are young adults, that they are going out and, and doing this and finding their own way too. So I love that your mom was doing that. Cause I do think that that's important.
1: Yeah. I really think it opens up you know, when you're a kid and you hear your mom speaking about the Philippines, you know, you're like, oh, wow, What, what, what is this? It's, it's exotic. You know, I think it really opens up a little window there where you think, oh, there are all these places where I can go. And I want to go back to what you said about the US and Europe. And that's, I think that's a really good point, because um, being American, I mean, it's such a huge country for me. I'm so curious. I want to I keep telling Will I want to go to Indiana. I want to go to, to New Mexico. Like all those for me, it's like all those. It's almost like different countries because the accent, the culture, the food, the the landscapes. I mean, I mean Maine, and then I think about the desert, and the, you know, it's just for for us European. That's what's kind of amazing, also about the U.S. But I can understand that for an American, it's like I have to do this big journey to Europe. And, and I remember meeting American in Europe being like, Oh, yeah, I'm I'm going through, you know, they would go through like 10 countries in like (laughs) three weeks. And I'm like, What are you crazy? But because we have the facility to take a train and go to Germany. And then even if we're on a push, we go to, you know, all the way to Austria. And for us, it's like a weekend trip. So we don't realize, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very interesting, two two separate world a little bit. Um, And the way of traveling is, very different, too. That, that's true.
0: Definitely, because we don't have that kind of train system for most of the US to really effectively be able to work with that. Even if you were to take Amtrak and go across the US, wherever it dumps you out might very likely be a small town. If you were to try to explore the in betweens, mm-hmm. in between the big cities, right? And then we yeah. don't have great transportation to deal with, well, how do I get around this town? Unless maybe you took a bike or something, but if you're in a big city, you know, you have more options, but it is very different. That's, that's the point. Yeah, it's
1: hard. And yeah,
0: I agree that. So when I was younger, Europe was especially a focus for me. I was interested in a lot of things in the world, but Europe especially. So that was a big trip that I had in mind for me. And it took me until I was well into adulthood. I had actually gone through college. I'd gone through army. I'd gone through grad school and I had taken extra loans, student loans to pay for grad school, and then put away several thousand dollars for a summer to spend in Europe. So I'm already in my mid going into late 20s at this mm-hmm. point, but it was something that i had had to do for so long and hadn't been able to do. And then it was only after that, that I could settle that down a little bit to say, okay, let me go see more of America in the way that I want to and explore. And from that, I gained a lot more appreciation of those differences within my own country that mm. you're talking about. So I can drive through Kansas and appreciate despite it being really flat. And you might say there's not a whole lot there to look at. <laughs> I can still find a lot of value no matter what state I'm in, no matter what the landscape, no matter what's going on, mm. you know, what what's different. So yeah, it's, I hope that you get a chance to do that, um, to, to hit the road and, and see more of, of the U S then if that's a curiosity you have.
1: Yeah. And I think that's also another really interesting thing is that when you were younger, I didn't care about going to like the, the wine region in France. I didn't, I wanted to go to Germany or, or Italy. Like I had, it had Mm. to be somewhere else and you forget that right next door, there is so much to see. And even, even different time of the day. The other day we had to wake up at four, um, and and we took it. We drove, and we realized the sun sunset was just. I felt, oh my god, I haven't seen that since I was in Asia. It was like purple, red, and I realized, wow, there's also just this possibility of waking up two hours earlier and discovering a complete different. It, it just felt magical, and I think with. Growing up, you understand that too, that it's, you don't have to take a plane and go that far away to discover so much. Um, and that's kind of comforting too, especially these days, um, knowing that is, is, is great. But yes, I do plan on visiting more of the U.S., definitely.
0: <laughs> so with this idea in mind of the traveling, and we've already well covered this idea that you have lived in some different places... Which, by the way, when you were talking about being a nomad or not, and that you would sit down for, say, six months somewhere, I have always thought that that's an excellent way to do that. Not just pass through with a backpack if you can help it, but to actually sort of become part of that urban landscape, that flow to maybe learn a little bit more than just if you're only spending a weekend there as You know, somebody who's there to see the highlights, you know, to go see the Eiffel Tower, but then not actually go hang out, you know, in cafes and get to know (laughs) something local. Right. But it makes me, you know, it, it brings to mind a question that somehow has been in me, I think, for quite some years, which is what really is it that we can define as home? What feels like home? Like where we really belong? What it is we really want to have that relationship with? Because somewhere in there is this balance of, oh, but in three months, I want to go travel to this place and I want to go live in this place. And there's only so much time in life. And also, I want to have this idea of home and comfort. It's like it's there's a push pull that goes on there. Have you figured out that idea of what it <laughs> what it means to you to really have that sense of home and where you might belong? Or does that really not matter because you just want to see the whole world?
1: So. Yeah, I wish I had a, a proper answer to that question. I, uh, I truly believe it's a, it takes a lifetime to <laughs> figure it out. I think, I think there's different kinds of home. There are some people who have a family home, which could be a house or a land or a, a, even a town. Or, and for them, it's going back there is going back home. I, I don't have that feeling with any uh, particular place. Um, So then it opens up a lot of of questions and possibilities. Where do I belong? And what's particularly interesting for me is that the the feeling of belonging I learned by learning, not by learning English, but when I learned, when I started to speak English, because we don't have a word in French for belonging. I'm sure we have 10 words Mm. that could say that. But I have tried when I try to explain to people I don't know where I belong. If I try to say that in French, I don't know how to say it, which maybe is why I've, I wow. haven't felt that I belonged somewhere. Um, it's really it's, it's a really interesting for me in, in German they have Heimat, which is a special name for home, which I discovered and also so because I was a little obsessed with actually that matter the home what's a home, how do you make a home, how do you feel at home. Um, and I remember those terms and that's what what make, makes language so fascinating too so for me belonging for a long time it, it was actually part of of a little bit um, a worry I had or a, a, if I was sad or if I felt depressed I was wondering where should I be like I don't I don't know where I belong it was really a question for me and um, I think today I lost a little bit this fear of and i think so it connects also with am i where i should be in my life am i doing what i want to do you know all these questions that just unravel from that one question where do i belong and it might sound a little cheesy but meeting will for me was a little bit a sense of belonging like i feel that i belong mm where he is it, yeah. it sounds it's just it's no, no, no. it's very simple but it's true now i'm not afraid of of thinking in 5 years maybe we, actually i love now thinking in 5 years maybe we can be wherever we want but we're going to be together so i feel that's where i belong and i have to say i feel every day extremely lucky that i got that part figured figured out in a way um but it's not geographical which you know maybe that's the whole point
0: i absolutely feel that uh, in fact, the only way that I've come to that answer for myself, still at this point, is that where my wife Becca and where our sons are, where we are together as a family, that's that's the best or closest I've come to having an answer of where is home. Because, and and I've said as much with our sons. At times, they get a little anxious, maybe when we're out traveling or we're out, even if it's just a day trip from home, but we're hours from home, and and they really, I think, want to know the comfort of that schedule. Well, how long until we get back to our comfortable spaces or whatever it is, where are we going to get food to eat? And these questions that they have (laughs) that, of course, we have, we have in hand. It's, you know, it's okay. And so what I have at times reminded them of over the years is, but wherever we're together, we're good. You know, we don't need to worry we're in this together. So it almost doesn't matter what comes ahead. If it means getting home tonight, if it means staying at a hotel, if it means going to a restaurant or whatever it is, we're in it together. And to me, that's, he might struggle understanding that concept at 10 years old. But for me, that's what I've realized that sense of home and where I belong is, is just where my family is. So I totally get that. It's not cheesy to me at all. Um, it makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. I want to go back to this idea of belong and belonging not being a translatable term in French because it makes me wonder then, is this idea of belonging, is that just not a French thing? Is it not, is that too sentimental or is it maybe that belonging is inherent? And so it's just not a question that gets asked. Do you have, do you have a sense for that? Why there's not that real equivalent?
1: I know. It's funny because while we're speaking about this, I'm thinking how would I say it in French? I'm I'm really trying to figure out how would I. And I remember that once I tried to explain it to my mum, who speaks English, and who gave me a word that wasn't to me satisfactory, but that was closest to where you're trying to say. I can't find it right now, which is silly. Um, But I think there is a um, there's a word which is more appartenir, which is more which means more. It's belonging, but more in a, a little bit more in a material kind of way, like having something. Um, and you could, yeah, I can't, it's really hard. And I wonder why. And I wonder if it's because, why? okay, so the real question, I think, is why does the English language have such a specific word? for, for belonging and something belong to someone, someone belongs to a place like it's, it can be used in different ways. And yeah, did French people didn't need to feel like they belong somewhere. I don't know. It's, it is really, it, 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 it would be worse looking into that. Why, why don't we have a, a, a particular word for that?
0: I think it's an interesting question, which makes me wonder if it's more, like, is that something that, and this, this probably is rhetorical, probably not something that, that you can answer, but I'm, am, while we're thinking about it, wondering, is this something that came about, we'll say in English and, and in the U S then the use of it as say mindfulness practices or going to mm-hmm. therapists and where we start really kind of digging into ourselves and these meanings. So whatever the history of all that is, and maybe has been just in recent decades, maybe that's a newer kind of let's let's see how we think about ourselves. Let's have some self-inquiry and ask some questions of ourselves. And somehow this idea of, well, where do I belong? Because we're talking about emotions here, emotionally, spiritually, psychologically. And maybe that's just not been a thing so much where it's evolved in the language for French people with really a a much longer history than we have.
1: Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting, especially because I often... So language is really interesting and Will and I, we kind of we joke a lot about our languages and what's missing in your language and what's missing in mine and usually I find that there are not enough words in English to say all the things I want to say and I find that some words you can use like you go you go ahead you go forward you go like there's a lot of words it's just the same verb and you just it's it's declined a lot and it's used in a lot of different ways. And in French, I feel that like we have a word for everything. Like this is said <laughs> differently from this and that's not the same. And a hat, what does a hat mean? We have 10, ten names for all different kinds of hat, you know? So we laugh a lot about that. I always say, oh, there's not enough words. But then we don't have the word belonging. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, that's that's interesting. Let's.
0: We've talked some about your youth a little bit, but I'd like to go into that a little more if you don't mind, because I'm often curious about where we all come from and what those shaping experiences were. You said you grew up outside of Paris, at least in a suburb um, for part of that time. What else was going on there? What, what were the influences? Maybe that was family or maybe it was the environment around you. Are there particular memories from that time that that you really hold on to for, for better or worse, maybe?
1: Yeah, so I was actually born in Marseille in, in the south on the Mediterranean. Um, my parents lived there for I think seven or eight years, and I was born while they were there and then they moved back. So my dad is from Paris, so he's a proper city Parisian born. And my mum was from a small village northern France and and studied in Paris and, and yeah. so so we lived in the suburb of Paris in a very nice house with a garden. Um, and I think, um, yeah, we, <laughs> so when I was about 12, me, so I have two older brothers. <laughs> um, okay. we went to this boarding school, which is different from American boarding school, but so it was outside of, it was in the countryside, um, it Northern. So I guess somehow we, we connected a little bit to more like my mum's origin, Um, And it's really interesting how these things impact different uh, kids, because my older brother, the first one for me is still really a city person. And my second brother has become, by this experience of going a little bit more in the countryside, uh, much more of a nature person and um, he loves fishing and hunting and he's in the woods and he has become very very nature oriented um, because of that and then would never tell anyone he's from Paris because for him it's like you know it's like (laughs) saying you're from New York City when you come to Maine it's just like oh okay you're from New York City there's already some kind of of idea of who you might be right Um, so I think it really shapes yeah and it comes again to like having this experience and traveling and sort of this all sort of makes makes you understand, I guess, who you are and and, and how you want to move through life. Um, so so I had a I had a, a childhood um, a little bit mixed between city and I think for a long time I was very city oriented, but I would also go to this village uh, where now my family. Have a house, um, and we would go in the swamp and do. And you know, I wonder if some kids don't love doing that. So, so I also discovered that I like being outdoors and and doing things like that. Um, yeah, and I think I wanted to be independent. I, I can remember being a kid and telling my mom, "When I will have my own flat, <laughs> I was always thinking about having my own place." I don't, I don't know why. I think some kids want to stay living at their parents' home. Uh, and that's where they they want to be. I always wanted to have my own place, and I dreamt of having a job, so as soon as I had my uh, baccalaureate, which is like the, the exam after high school, I was studying, and I had a part-time job as a saleswoman, and I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> I just really wanted to, to um, so I always had a, a job on the side, and Luckily, it's not even because I had to, because my parents have been so supportive and I feel like an extremely lucky person, but I just wanted that. So I think I was just really thirsty for any kind of experience. I loved being a waitress so much that even later in life, I was like, maybe I should just be a waitress again. It it was just like, (laughs) you know, I knew what I had to do and it was, I felt so efficient, I I felt helpful. (laughs) So I think I just wanted all the experiences I could get, which sometimes also gets confusing because. A lot of time I felt confused. I was like, everybody seems to have figured out everything. I don't know what I'm doing. Right. Like, what do I want to do? <laughs> um, so I think this curiosity is a gift and can also be a little bit of a a burden to carry.
0: I understand that fully as well. Uh, it You have this question of what is it I am meant to do with my life, maybe? What is it I want to do with my life? Mm-hmm. And when you feel open to so many possibilities. Well, yeah, I would take that job. If that were an option, I would take that one. They're completely dissimilar. And at some point I started asking you know, myself, well, am I actually choosing things or am I just being too flexible to allow life to choose for me, allow other people to choose for me? And I still don't have an answer to that question. Um, <laughs> Other than to be able to sit with it a little more comfortably and accept that I have different interests and that that is okay, but it is tough to to have that. And so, in your environment and part of that shaping thing, you're saying city, we're saying country. The reason I ask some of this is I'm also fascinated in general with how environments factor into shaping people's worldviews, their experiences, how they live life, and maybe you're from. um you know, a desolate urban sort of environment, one that's kind of beat down. Maybe you're from a desolate rural environment, one that's just pastoral and full of beautiful greenery and plants and nature and solitude. And of course, that's going to have an impact. And now here you have gone from these city experiences, again, most recently living in New York City, and you move to small town coastal Maine, where there's tons of nature. So, I'm curious how that has influenced this collection of you that started back in your youth, it sounds like, how that has influenced you as a creative being and what you're doing with that and that connection in nature now in Maine.
1: So yeah, that's that's actually it's a really interesting uh thing to 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 reflect upon. Um I wonder why I have this thing about the ocean. Um so my parents now live by the ocean. And it's so that, I guess, I, I did realize that that was wonderful. Uh, but I think more than that, and it's funny because I've never actually really thought about it, but it has crossed my mind. As a kid, we would go in vacation since almost I was born, since I was a tiny baby. My parents saw an ad in the newspaper for a house in Brittany, which so it's the arm of, of France. So, in the Atlantic Ocean. Okay. Um, They were in Marseille. So, they were literally, I mean, I know France is not a country as big as the US, but it's still like literally the other side of the country. And they saw this ad in the newspaper for a little house. And they saw that looks wonderful. We'll just go there. And they went there for vacation and completely fell in love with the house and the the village. It's a wonderful place that really I hold in my heart. Um, And they went there again and again and again every summer since I was probably, I don't know, 14. And we kept going. After that, it got you know more complicated because everybody has different lives and everything. So you don't do family vacation that much. But we kept going back. I even went back alone with my brother, uh, just for four days. We just we had to see. It's called Il Tudi. It's it's beautiful. Um, and I wonder if somehow this hasn't always been within me that I just wanted some kind of scenery like that because Brittany is really it's kind of special, but it's also it can be terrible weather. It's very capricious. It's not. You know, it's not like the Mediterranean. It's it's really a different feel. And there's something very, um, there's some solitude to it. I think people who go there also like to be by themselves and, and in, in nature and are not afraid of, like, bad weather and sort of grumpy people <laughs> in a way. Um, and I think maybe Maine somehow touches a string there um, without a little bit unconsciously but now that I'm here I keep thinking oh my god this is it reminds me so much of Britain even the smell the other day there was a smell at low tide and I was like oh my god this is like being back so I think that might have uh, played a part and I think that relates to what you just said there are things that shapes along your your life that you don't even maybe realize um, and then beam they just they just show up and and I think that might be and, and also I think we had a a cold little bit with Maine too. So I think it's, it's, uh, both of us, but yeah, it might be, it might be connected to that.
0: And that nature, it, I I think from what I see that you make in your illustrations from things that I see you post on Instagram and share, I, I think that you and I both share this love and connection with nature. Is that, is that a fair guess there?
1: Yeah. And I think that Weirdly, came back into my work. Still being in the city, I was so I worked in. in uh, I did some set design and then space design, and I was obsessed with natural architecture, vernacular architecture, and I did this big master. So that's also why I decided to go to Norway because I thought, wait, this is going to be a complete different setting, and I think it's going to be really interesting for my work to be in the mountains. Um, and I did these installations that I called Morpho Space, and there were some. Uh, I I I imagine that there was some emotional platform. So for example, a platform sitting on a lake, and if it's raining, the water pours into the space. So it was this kind of poetic uh, spaces. And the idea was that this space has no purpose, except you sit there, and you're in connection with nature. So one space was about the wind. So you had this sort of um, fabric that would bring the wind inside the space. One was about filtering the light. And I think I just had this kind of realization that I didn't necessarily want to design space uh, for a purpose and I wanted to rediscover what does it mean to be in nature only you and your instinct and then I made a little manual about how do you build your own space so it's almost like a shelter I guess you could call it a shelter Um, so I think there started something really intense for me and it was also weird because no way was I was kind of lonely it was a little bit hard the conditioning I mean it was wonderful. But um, it's like when it's so beautiful that it's also sad. <laughs> um, so it was also, yeah, it, it was hard, but it made me so creative. And so so now I want to touch to what you were saying about creativity. I have realized that I have really burst of creativity when I'm either in nature or traveling, when I'm sort of on the move and seeing new places. So a lot of my illustrations are either about places I've been to or just, yeah, I guess being in nature can give you room for creativity and discovering new places um, can also just, yeah, This it's so much easier to trigger your creativity when you're in this kind of situations than when you're in your daily routine. Like when I was in Paris, suddenly I had a job that was the reverse of what I was doing in Norway. I was uh, designing commercial space and there was wonderful things about it, of course, because building whatever you build, I think there's a lot of, um, of happiness comes out of building something. But I was getting further and further away from things that really mattered to me. Um, and that's just, you know, how life is sometimes. But every time I would go either for a weekend or go in, in the country, I would have this need to create and draw and just, yeah.
0: What What is it that matters to you? If there's one or two or even three or whatever things, what, what have you decided that when those things take you farther away and you recognize it, you're like, wow, this is what really matters. I need to move back toward that.
1: That's that's a very good question. I think I'm still figuring it out because okay, um, in New York, I was, again, being a designer for um, commercial space for restaurants, and, and there was some great things about it because restaurants are wonderful. Um, but there was also – there's something about design that's becoming really um, – commercial and that's hard on me it's the it's the moment where you realize you're not building for for any for good reasons you're building for style or you're building for for money and and it's uh-huh. just I, I, I just I just felt it wasn't making me happy to be to be drawing and in its beautiful places but it's just now it just wasn't in agreement with me so I think what I'm trying to figure out is how do you do something that aligns with the things you love? And what are they? <laughs> and I think just trying to step, ba- step back um, and giving myself a chance for for doing something that make me happy. Um, and I think those things are making things that make people happy, <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> so So I would like to think that people can get from me an image. Or, or an object or something that just brings them a little bit of magic. So that's where I'm going. And I'm, I'm still really finding my way because I've been working, giving my creativity to other people for as long as I can remember. Um, and now I'm really doing it for myself. I mean, and then hopefully putting it out there in the world. Uh, but I'm still figuring out how does it leave? How does it, yeah, go out there?
0: <laughs> I think figuring it out is is a lifelong thing. Whatever that it is, right? And yeah. so you're talking about commercial design, and I'm thinking about shadow careers. These careers that we have that sort of are these shadows, they're similar to what it is we want to do. If it's being creative in a certain way, but we're not quite doing it that way. Instead, we're like, well, I can get a job using my creativity in this way. And it's not necessarily the way I would dream about, but hey, it's cool. And I can make a living. And I think we all, for a lot of us, especially who enjoy those creative fields, we, we end up with that. And those shadow careers can be fulfilling in certain ways, but it keeps, at least for me, nagging that the purposes of my doing this aren't quite in alignment with what I'm really after. And what I've come to on this is that we can only feel what that answer is. And by going in nature, for example, is when we get quiet and we have a better chance to connect with that, but it's, it's almost like this nearly perpetually elusive idea, um, but I'm going to guess that you're really on it. You're onto it. You're feeling it out. You moved to Maine. You're doing this thing, and you opened up your own online shop for the work that you're doing, right? Isotopia.
1: Yeah. Tell
0: tell us about that.
1: Yeah. So um, I totally agree, and I like the term of, of um, shadow career, and I think- that's also how you learn. Um, how you learn where you want to go. Uh, and for me, I think a, a, a barometer, a way of knowing when I'm stepping out of where I, I, I want to be, even if I don't know where it is, is when you wake up in the morning. Are you excited about your day? As simple as that. Are you mm-hmm. excited about going to work, or are you excited about your next task? Are you excited? And when you start dragging your feet, because I'm not a person who drags my feet, I'm usually like. I, I really I'm very active and when I start dragging my feet, something's off. And I've tried in the past to switch completely, leave my job, try new things and it's just it takes time to figure it out. That's exactly what you said. So I think um having again having will is really helpful because when you're doing it by yourself, which I did, the fear of just not making it at the end of the month often made me take on another job, hoping, you know, that that might be better. And then three months later, being like, okay, that wasn't it. (laughs) So um, having Will being very supportive and telling me you should do it. But what I did is that I started again, drawing. So I moved to the US with Will, and we went uh, through Mexico for eight weeks. And I thought, I have to be doing something. And even before that, we traveled in the US for a month and then Mexico. And I thought, I have to be doing something. I'm not the kind of person who can just like, oh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. So I started drawing and I started this atopia. I was like, I'm just going to draw, 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 uh, whatever, where we're going and I'm going to share it. And I made a platform online, a website. And then when we're in Brooklyn, we often work during the weekend. So Will would work on his writing and I would draw um, so I was a designer during the week and I, I would do illustration during the weekend. So that was kind of my transition. And then when I started dragging my feet in the morning, I said, okay, I need, this is not working. And it wasn't even going to Maine that made me, it was a decision beforehand, even before the pandemic really hit where I kind of told my job that I wasn't going to be full-time anymore. And then wanted to try to be is full-time wherever that was going to lead me and then everything happened that we moved and i said okay now that's my chance because it's much easier to do what i do being in a small town maine than in new york city where you have the pressure of money rent lifestyle right. um and i think that was also the big change for me is i realized we don't have to do that if we want to we can you know make make enough money to live in a city like New York or Paris. Or, but we can also have different lives um, where suddenly I don't even want to buy things anymore because my life is not really about that. Um, and I don't know, it's been a complete uh, game, game changer for me um, to just change my lifestyle and realize that this allows me to try and build my own profession to try and make. And it's funny because I think about this really, really dear friend of mine who so many times has heard me say, I don't know what I'm doing. What is it that I really want to do? I don't know where I'm going. And she was like, "Listen, if you can't find the right job, make your own job. What is your own like? Just invent it." And I was like, "Yeah, that doesn't really mean anything." And I think that's what I'm trying to do now. And I haven't figured that at all. Is that Opla is growing? I'm taking classes. I'm I'm happy because I'm making and I love the different hats and I'm never bored and it's always exciting. It's very scary. I'm not gonna lie. There's a lot of um, scary things but it's a real adventure and I think yeah I'm figuring out what's my own uh, (laughs) what's my invented job.
0: (laughs) I often ask people what they've learned um, you know from their experiences or from all these these shaping formative things right what have you learned so far in life but the way I want to ask you about that is if there's something that you've kind of been able to boil down or feel like for now you really have maybe figured out about following your dreams in general, right? Because you've traveled a lot, you've done a lot of these things, you've now started Isotopia. And just what have you learned about following those dreams in your life, following your heart?
1: Um, I'm afraid it's not going to be the most exciting answer, but I think I've learned that, and I'm still working on it, but that you have to be patient. That being frustrated because you're not where you are uh, you're not where you want to be because you haven't done that travel you really want to do because you've always wanted to live in this city and not where you're living now is not actually helping um Mm. so being having faith in the fact that things come in their own time too and that having dreams is amazing and i have planners filled with like things i want to do and dreams and i love telling will we should you know have this caban in greece and like just crazy dreams and i I encourage dreaming always i think that the most dangerous thing is to stop having dreams and but i do think that feeling frustrated because those are not happening is is even worse than not, not having the dream so i think having patience and I'm not a patient person, which is why I allow myself to say that it's very hard for me to think it's going to take time. You know, just have faith. So I would say, yeah, keeping in mind that being patient and that it's never too late for things to change or for 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 changing things yourself, even. Uh, and maybe it's not today, maybe it's tomorrow. But keeping an eye on your dreams and also not letting them frustrate you, I think, is important.
0: I think that is good to remember. I also, I, I would not say that I'm so patient, but when I'm in that more optimistic place and I'm, and I'm kind of practicing and taking that view, I like to remember, remind myself at any moment could come a phone call, could come an email, could come an idea. You could run across something on the internet or reading a book or meeting a person And so many things can ripple off from that and just change and it can lead to something great. And you just never know what's really right around the corner at any given moment. So patience is important.
1: Oh yeah. And actually, I'm actually realizing, yes, I totally agree with you and I'm realizing I might change my answer. <laughs> no, okay. uh, being patient, being patient, I think, is the answer to a lot of things, even professionally and personally. But there is another thing, and it's an advice I was given by, by those amazing friends, and lucky to have wonderful friends, is to formulate what you want. For a very long time, I was really afraid to say out loud the things I really wanted in my life. I don't know if I was afraid it wasn't going to happen because I said it, or if I felt that... I shouldn't say that loud. But one day she told me, listen, just formulate, say that loud to yourself, think about it, visualize it. And she told me to do that. And it happened. That Really the fact that suddenly, I don't know if it's because I saw what I really dreamed of having um, or, or even just having happening to me, or if it's because I said it out loud and the universe heard it, I don't know. But I, I'm still thanking her. I'm still telling her, you were right. And she even told me, that's exactly why you told me you wanted it to happen, and it did happen to you. So it's true that putting words on the things, not being afraid of of thinking, I I would really love to have this kind of job or meet this kind of person, or or that's that's what I I want to see happening. Saying it out loud, uh, it's like facing your dreams, and and it it's amazing. It really is. <laughs>
0: I think that's wonderful too. And I will agree with that because that has been a great attitude shift for me. Uh, again, another practice trying to do. I think in the past, I've been afraid to to say things in part because I would be embarrassed if I, totally. if I kind of bear myself. I'm vulnerable. I say, this is what I want. And then it doesn't happen. And then I'm afraid people are going to feel bad for me. Look at me weird. I have to kind of, it's just Mm. sort of that, that, that weird quirky thing maybe for me that then I want to hide from it. So instead I keep it to myself. And what I've learned is to let go of that (laughs) and, Mm. and to do like you're saying. So that is, that's great to bring up too. Thank you for that. And thank you for everything that you've shared here about your, your story and just everything in this whole hour plus. I I love having this conversation with you, Isabel. Thank you so much.
1: (laughs) Thank you for having me. It was wonderful to, to chat. Thanks a lot.
0: That was my conversation with illustrator and designer, Isabel Jalot. You can learn more about Isabel in the show notes published on the website at Humanity.com, where I've also published a show transcript. You also can connect with Isabel on her website, isotopia.com. That's I-S-A-T-O-P-I-A dot com. If something you heard in this conversation today especially resonates with you, I would love it if you take a moment to go and rate and review the Humanity Podcast on your player, if it's one that has that functionality. I also appreciate when listeners spread the word on their social media pages and by word of mouth with family, friends, coworkers, everyone, anyone. Together, we shape a more caring, thoughtful, and creative world. I'm Adam Williams, creator and host of the Humanity Podcast. Thanks for being here.